Hello and welcome to Jibber Jabber. This is, of course, our second episode of the series so far. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the first one if you've managed to catch it. If not, it's still there. So uh, if you're just joining us now, you can always check it out. Uh, but as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Kieran. Yeah, you can't get rid of me. Yep. As he said last time, uh, he is here um, in, his, in the first episode that a lot of you commented on. Um, but yeah, we're just going to dive straight in. Um, one thing we noticed um, before is that we always start with the UK news and that can lend itself to quite depressing news sometimes i think you'd say karen i would but as usual we're gonna make it fun and we're gonna talk about it depressing anyway yeah yeah we'll make it enjoyable for you maybe he'll make some more comments about i don't know china (laughs) i love china well that's our debate today isn't it china friend or foe which we'll get to later um we will but starting straight off uh school's not reopening until march the 8th at the very earliest yeah, I think that is the very earliest, because Boris, he tries, he tries, I like the man, he's a nice guy, he's got weird hair, but that's besides the point, that doesn't really <laughs> go to school, but does he understand how schools work? Maybe, but I don't think we'll be back to Easter. No, I mean, I think, as I said, I think the government's always on kind of the back foot uh, with a lot of uh, this stuff, you know, the the country and the people are saying something for months and months and months, and then only at the very last minute does the government go oh, we might actually want to do something about this, you know? It's not a way to lead from, in that form, you should be leading from the front, and I feel like the government's always on the back foot, although I do appreciate that it is, you know, a difficult situation, and I do not envy them for it. No, it's a fast-moving situation, and things change very quickly. But then again, the cabinet is made up of a lot of opportunities. You don't have Margaret Thatcher. What a lad. Well, not a lad, she's a female, but <laughs> but she's around and she was great. She did stuff that she believed in. She shut the mines because she wanted to shut the mines. She didn't care what anyone else thought. Whereas Boris is weaseled his way in with Mr. Go. He looks like he's, he's been hit in the face by a basketball too many times. <laughs> Just to say, I do not endorse this message. <laughs> well, I, I endorse it. That's, that's all that matters. But yeah, I just think that they're trying their hardest, but the situation is moving so quickly that they can't keep up. It is a real tricky one. And I think, unfortunately, Gavin Williamson, I I often feel, is put in as education sec because he wanted to be given a role. You know, he was awarded a role, but they didn't expect him to have to do anything because exams just tick over year on year, education, nothing to do, you know. Um, So I feel like they gave him the job. They're like, oh, nice and easy for you, Gav. You go do that. Uh, Now he's actually got to do something. Um, So... I feel like there's certainly a lot of Gove's influence in there because obviously he announced quite a lot of the things on radio broadcasts as well. And obviously he doesn't have a a defined role uh, necessarily um, in cabinet. So he can sort of mix around the different departments. I feel like he has kind of taken a step back into the role of education sec just to make sure everything's kind of ticking over. But again, I think it does open up with the cancellation of exams. It kind of makes you think, should we be assessed, you know, over a longer period of time? So then you don't have this problem. Uh, and is it really fair to pin everything on a couple of hours at the end of your two year course for A-levels, you know? Totally agree with you. And Michael Gove was the education secretary when all the new nine to one system was brought in for GCSEs. He brought all of that in. And, um, well, Gavin Williamson was the defence secretary until he got fired for leaking official secrets. Yeah, it's because so, of his. He used to be in the whips office, right? So he has a lot of the material on certain uh, cabinet ministers, according to a lot of sources. So he can manoeuvre quite well, I think, politically. Um, yeah, because after releasing official secrets, you wouldn't have necessarily thought he'd be back in the cabinet in a semi-major role. 
no you, you you really wouldn't expect that would you um but there we go that's what we have um so hopefully we'll see everything sorting out but again i i, I don't think we'll be back by march the 8th i think it'll be a long time before schools are back yeah same and i think that with the exams they've been cancelled but have they really been cancelled you cancelled them and then decided, no, we'll have mini exams. Yeah. What is the difference between formal exams and mini exams? No one knows. Everyone's just sitting there waiting to find out. And they're probably going to put some questions in there anyway about lemurs floating to Madagascar. <laughs> the lemurs floating to Madagascar one is certainly funny. I mean, I do remember that. But, you know, we all know how the lemurs managed to get to Madagascar. They built a plane like they did in Madagascar too, went all the way. <laughs> That was a very good film. But yeah, but who decides? Which idiot in Ofcow or whoever the exam was decides, you know what? They probably watched the film when they were writing the exam paper. <laughs> and you're sitting there going, what should we put in this biology paper? Oh, yes, we'll put in something about, I don't even know what the topic was, but let's float them to Madagascar and ask the kids how they got there. Yeah, well, that's, that's the wonderful thing about it. Um, so I was thinking now we're going to move on to the EU vaccine round, which is uh, obviously quite prominent at the moment. Oh, God, not the EU. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, every I time it. we uh, talk about the EU, it's uh, normally gets somewhere quite interesting, definitely. It does. And I have to say, they are the most hypocritical people I, don't, I think I've ever met. Oh, we need it. We don't want a hard border. Oh, no. Is it a month? Let's have a look on my watch. Yeah, it must yeah, be. A month it took mm. them to go, we'll break that agreement. Yeah. I mean, I saw an interesting tweet. I can't remember the source, but it was... Um, I think it was something like uh, the EU is like the drunk guy in McDonald's at two thirty in the morning who uh, who jump tries to jump the queue uh, to the front and, and demands that he gets served first. You know that's kind of what the whole vaccine row is. You know it doesn't make any logical sense for the EU to say you know you need to fill our order first. It's like no because the UK actually got ahead of itself and ordered vaccine the vaccinations earlier than anyone else so obviously they're going to get supplied first that's uh, what i mean i'm like if you've ordered something first it's like going to a shop if there's what if there's like one xbox left on the game shelf and the uk goes in there first and takes it do you use there's nothing there for you your fault you didn't go in there earlier no exactly i mean they can't just demand now that a private company not export to the uk you know or demand that the companies factories in the uk export solely to the eu you know it's completely ludicrous you know if the eu was actually sensible and managed to get his vaccine policy sorted early which we opted out of by the way which was lucky for us i think we'd admit um but you know if they got that together and if they'd ordered things like quickly they could have been well ahead of us by now but they didn't they were very slow there's a reason why we left the eu and that's just summed up for everyone in the country who even people that doubted whether we should have left the EU, that just summed up why we should have done. Yeah. And it's more accountable and we're more manoeuvrable as a country when we don't have to bend to the will of 27 other member states. You know, it's it just doesn't work because if you've got to satisfy all of them, it takes so much longer to actually do anything. You know, trying to coordinate a vaccine policy for the entirety of Europe when you've got different economic circumstances, different amounts of capital, different amounts of borrowing. You know, it's 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 really difficult to organise that. Yeah, I think the worst thing is, though, that it's not even the 27 EU member states. No. It's the European Commission yeah. that's done all of this. Yeah. Ireland didn't even get a say. Ireland, I think the country of Southern Ireland or the Republic of Ireland, they weren't even told that this was going to happen. It's their border. Yeah. 
idiots, the EU. Don't don't recommend them. No, don't join up. You know, Turkey, if you're listening, don't keep trying to join. <laughs> now, Turkey's a nice place, but I've never been there. But I'm just going to say it's a nice place. They sell some well nice sweets called baklavas. <laughs> And that's all I'm basing it on. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, that's a good thing to base it on. But yeah, it is, it is completely ridiculous. I mean, if they if they want to be ahead of the queue, then they should have, you know, joined the queue earlier, uh, which they didn't. So they can't then moan now and try and steal from other countries. It's completely ridiculous. Everything's ridiculous. Life, life and even countries, it's, dip, it's diplomatic circumstances. And the WHO is now saying, did you see what the WHO said? That they said that, we should now then give our vaccine that we bought to some other countries to help them. No, we shouldn't. They should have paid for their own. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult with the developing world to decide would it be more of a risk not to help their vaccination programs because then there's a risk that more mutations might happen, which will create a new variant strain. So do we intervene there and try and prevent that by helping their vaccination program? Or do we kind of take a step back and do our own country first? See, I don't mind helping them after we sorted out our own country. Yeah, I mean, that's what it should always. The thing be is, about. if our borders are closed, then we can get started quite quickly again once our vaccination programs run its course. Exactly. We really should be focusing on getting our own economy moving before there's nothing left of it. Oh, I agree. And then it's just we've got to always focus on us. If we don't focus on us, how are we going to be? We need to recover first. It's always if we want to help people. The best way of helping people is saving us first, yeah. then going back in with a stronger economy yeah. to actually help us. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll be in a better place, you know, once we do that. Uh, if, if we go back in when we're strong, like you say, we'll be able to do a lot more in the international community than we can at this present state where our economy is destroyed, pretty much. That's the point of leaving the EU. That's why we left and we should have left. We need to leave to make a new start, to put our own, forge our own way in the world and not follow 27 other people. Because it's not the best for the UK, no. maybe best for the Europe overall, but anything that the EU decisions make is not going to be best for us. No, it, it always disadvantages particularly competitive parties in the market because they don't want competition in their protectionist market. Yeah, and you can't, you're not telling me that we were the same as Romania. We don't have the same interests no. as Romania. We we're not the same stages of Romania. They've got they're they're developing. We're pretty developed, but so they need different circumstances to us to grow at their potential. Absolutely. I mean, it is it is completely crazy. Um, but anyway, we better move on to the US news section now. Yes, before I get before we descend into banned. complete EU bashing for hours. Yep. <laughs> uh, so US news. Uh, obviously, we've got Biden's executive orders, um, which we wanted to discuss. Oh yeah, that they were quite interesting actually. Did you see he he's now he went back on it. He was it was something about the prisons, wasn't it? He's made he he's got rid of private prisons or going. Yeah, mm. which I thought was quite interesting because I personally agree that private companies shouldn't really have a say in running prisons because whereas private enterprise can be useful when you have competition, uh, it's it spurs on greater efficiency, other things, but you can't really have that in a prison system because private companies, if they're paid by the state to run prisons there's no incentive for those prisons to operate in the best interests of rehabilitation because the private prisons want more prisoners you know what i mean like the more prisoners they have the more they get paid so private competition doesn't really work in that situation which is where you totally really agree. need the state to come in yeah because at the end of the day a private comp- company wants to make profit yeah. which is a great idea but that all that means they're going to do 
is try and pack in prisoners and make the quality of prisons as, ba- as bad as possible that they can get away with. Also, those private prisons would love for their prisoners to keep reoffending over and over again and keep getting churned back in the system because <laughs> they get more money. That's so true. You know, that that's so literally true. how capitalism would work in that situation. You know, and it makes logical sense. You know, it's your business; you want to make the most out of it. So, what is your incentive to improve a prisoner? and rehabilitate them to life outside when you just want them back so you can get your money you know it's it's crazy so i think that decision is certainly a good one on biden's part i think i agree and then you have the uh xl keystone pipeline mm-hmm. which was environmentally good mm. but i feel like they put the pipeline in and it's a gas pipeline for canada united states it's a great idea but i feel it's a bit like hs2 in the uk mm. That if you've already spent that much money planning and stuff, setting it yeah. up, you, can you go back on it? Yes. Is it good to go back on it environmentally? Yes. But is it a bit of a waste of money now? Yes. Yeah. I, I think I agree. And there's a lot of things like that where it's like money is wasted. And also, it is a good time, I suppose, while the economy is in this kind of weird place to start setting up the green economy. But at the same time, it's like these people will then not have those jobs but hopefully those jobs will be translated into the green economy jobs and different skills can be transferred over as well hopefully yeah i hope so and then there was the other great one which was he took a leaf out of donald trump's book mm. and it was something about federal contracts having to use like american stuff or american yeah companies to try and restart contracts. the uh, economy it was like yeah federal government has to use american contracts wherever they can i think it was yeah, but that doesn't upset me. That's what it should be like. Yeah, I think particularly in this recovery period, it's very important that they do focus on rebuilding their own economy. And I think we should probably focus on doing the same to a degree. Yeah, I don't mind working together. But at the end of the day, we are separate but different. I don't mind trade deals because that's how the economy powers itself. But we are separate but different. And we've, like I just said earlier, we've got different interests that we need to follow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um. So moving on, let us discuss. Well, the uh, GameStop Reddit investors, <laughs> which is uh quite funny. Well, yeah, that is literally ordinary people with a lot of time on their hands taking a swipe at the big Wall Street hedge yes. funds. Mm. And I do I blame them? No. Did I see it coming? Mm. No. Shorting is a very dodgy thing. Um, I think. But then it's a weird one because, yes, it's gambling, really, because they're gambling. The stocks will go down so then they can buy them back cheaper and give the borrowed stocks back to their the people they borrowed them from. And then they keep the difference um, when they sell them at a higher point. But it's just like it's interesting because the guy who initiated this on Reddit, he will now be very rich, you know, because he invested quite early on. So GameStop has shot up by like a thousand two thousand percent or something ridiculous so he is now gonna be rolling it if he sells his shares now before it goes back down again so it is sort of manipulation from below which is kind of good because it's i guess it's giving money to the people that aren't normally involved in stocks but still um amateur trading can be problematic in the market as well yeah because they don't necessarily know what they're doing the the GameStop is making losses. Before the pandemic, it was making losses. It's not a c- company that people would put a no. bet on. That's why they betted, they shorted it of the hedge funds because it look it's a company that yeah. is going down. So these companies, they've made a bubble effectively. They've created a bubble around GameStop. 
and to to artificially raise yeah, the because price. the demand for <laughs> stocks has gone up in that company. Exactly, that's how that's yeah. how stocks work. All stocks are again yeah. betting whether you think they'll go up or down, but they've artificially risen the price of the stocks, and then yeah, the people that invested early are going to do going very to well at it, it. But yeah, they're going to be great from it, and it's taken out billions off some of the big hedge funds. But at the end of the day, the company hasn't no. changed. The company's no. still awful, and the price will go that down. Yeah, inevitably it will. I, I mean, it does make you think about really what kind of market that you want. You know, do you want a market where it's like high stakes gambling, really? Or do you want a market that operates purely on the merit of companies uh, and, and not to such betting standards in the stock market? Well, I'll just tell you, I just want a free market where the um, where ordinary investors can actually yeah. invest. Because after they did that, Robin Hood, interesting idea. I don't mind the idea behind Robin Hood, but you can't just ban people from buying. No, and then still allow the hedge fund managers to do their shares yes that's basically creating a divided society where if you get rich if you work for the hedge funds the hedge funds can do whatever they want any time a normal person or ordinary people try and infiltrate their way into the wall street in that kind of uh, scene they just get shut out it is is a crazy thing really and then you had the hilarious situation where aoc and ted cruz were agreeing with each other (laughs) oh my god did you see the response though no what was the response Oh my god, she said she wouldn't work with him because apparently he incited riot in the capital. I was like, okay. I was like, that's a lovely idea to think. And maybe Ted, well, Ted, one, Ted Cruz didn't. A lot. I don't mind Ted Cruz, he's an okay guy. But one, he didn't. Ted Cruz didn't go in there and raid no, him. He didn't go in and raid, but so, his, his unwavering support for Trump because he wants to get a political boost, it, it was kind of leading to him basically being part of that big sort of conservative mistruth about election fraud uh yeah that's true but even so you've got it if you want to get rid of the violence and that's all they've been saying united aoc you can't just no. go and say that you want to work together if you just found common ground what's the point in just doing a political attack on someone for no apparent yeah, i mean it's definitely something we need to talk about um in another episode about u.s partisanship and how you really solve that um because it is a case where they've got such divided parties and such like they're divided within their own party let alone between each other you know it's it's just stark divides and it means there's no consensus anywhere no just form the confederacy and then just make two different countries and stick the uh, republicans in one <laughs> the democrats in the other and then you're sort i don't know if that's the solution we go with but no i don't think it would be particularly good for the economy or the world no. as a whole but it would work no. Yeah, Trump's launching a, a civil war from his Mar-a-Lago <laughs> resort. No, 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 he'd be too busy playing golf. <laughs> well, he's in economic trouble himself now. Um, he's got a lot of debts piling up. Yeah, nobody and no bank for people who actually deal with him after no, he... I, I was, I was uh, reading an article about how a lot of the banks that he's actually got his bank accounts with have literally just turned around and said, take your money, we don't want your bank account with us anymore. You know? Yeah. Nobody wants to be associated no, with him because he's got such a poor reputation now. I think the best way for the Trump corporation to really go is for Trump to kind of take a back seat even more so in the running of the corporation and just let his kids take over, maybe rebrand and stuff. Because um, it's certainly a big issue, I think, to get the reputation back where it was. 
It's not a bad idea. I think Trump TV though would be the funniest thing. Yeah, ever. it would be. It would be quite funny. It, it would be a, a be hilarious, uh, hilarious thing. It'd be like keeping up with the Kardashians. I don't know if you but... watch Bit in Image. <laughs> Do you watch Bit uh, in Image? No, I I haven't watched it recently. Oh my god, the amount half the shows on Trump. He's so funny. The, the thing they do of him is so funny. Do I feel bad for him? Mm, I don't know. I like him. I don't like him. I like what he tried to do. And the movement was good from him to try and break down or break Yeah, forward. and I think he, he did Everybody. raise... He did raise issues that, you know, a lot of other people just were too afraid to mention, but everyone was thinking, you know. It's, it's very tricky to break also the kind of I think it's very difficult with this kind of culture of cancel culture, oppressive speech, you know, all of this. It's it's very difficult to bridge a divide when one side shuts you down and the other side shuts the other side down. Yeah, he was needed for America because then he really, really got, you got to see the real America. You saw the frustration that yeah. was in people. He reset the political mood. Everything wasn't yeah. okay in America. He brought mm-hmm. that all out. And then you can heal. Now you can see the problems, then you can start to fix them. And he brought the problems yeah. out. I mean, I certainly think there's also an issue with democratic sneers, where it's like, you know, anyone who voted Republican, anyone who voted Trump is, you know, a racist or anything else, which might not even be true. It might just be because they're more fiscally conservative, it might be for a lot of reasons. But sneering at the voters that you need to win. And not appreciating that the issues that they raise are important too is not a way to really bring a country back together. No, bringing the country back together is working with everyone. Like, it's like, what's that New Zealand Prime Minister mm. Arden? She worked. I do. I, I don't really know enough about her, but I know she won comfortably out there, and she did well with the pandemic, and she worked yeah. with everyone. Whereas this is the problem with the two-party system: that you only have to govern for your own party, and that's yeah. all the people do. Yeah. I- and frustration builds up in the American system because of divided government. You know, when you've got this situation where you've got the presidency, you've got the executive branch part of that, then you've got Congress and Supreme Court, etc., and they have two chambers in Congress. You know, when when they're split, it's a disaster, like it has been for the last couple of years. You know, nothing gets done, and that frustration and resentment builds up into just electoral landslides or just genuine more genuinely more extreme views as well because people want swifter action yeah i'd say that the more extreme views is down to like social media vote because social media has come out of this thing and it's made people this is what trump won trump was great because all he had to do is put some outlandish view on his twitter account which didn't have to pay anything for his twitter account he just had to put some outlandish tweet on there every single major news network go oh my god what is he just tweeted and then he'd, he'd have media everywhere. He'd be on everything. And some of the stuff he said, like, make America great again, let's mm. build a wall. Some of those things yeah. resonated with people. Because they seem like very simple solutions. You know, simple messaging is very important, I think, at times. Anyway, we better move on to something a bit more lighthearted. So, of course, we've got Bernie's mittens. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They are. A they are. They are. They, it was just wonderful, the image of him, obviously, because of social distancing, sitting on his own on a chair. And all the memes that spawned out of that. <laughs> he was just like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I reckon there should be a conspiracy theory that Joe Biden was trying to kill him off by <laughs> on his own. Death. Well, on also, his apparently, own. was it 
Clinton that fell asleep in the inauguration. <laughs> do I blame him? I turned it on for one minute listening to Jennifer Lopez sing. I was like, yeah, don't. I do find the, turned off again. the excessive drama of some of the, you know, the performances. Just it's it's so American. It's just to other countries, it's just odd, you know, just to see. I think Beyonce performed at Obama's inauguration. So it's just, it's just odd, you know, <laughs> to see these celebrities turn you out know. for a political event. It's just very strange. I oh, know, and Trump couldn't even no. get anyone turning up. No, it's like, it's like, um, it's like a really hyped up coronation type thing, but not very classy <laughs> at times. It's oh, just I love odd it. sometimes, you know. I absolutely love it. I listened to it. You've got the, um, you've got the. All the American flags there, they get all the panned photos. It's always sunny. It's never it's never no, pouring it with rain. If it ever happened in the, London, if, if it ever happened in London, it would be full of cloud True. raining. There it was, okay, it was, I think it was cloudy. I don't know if it rained, it may have done. But it's, it looks like yeah, it snowed amazing, at one point. Whereas, it, I, I, def, I don't I think it, it did. But one guy in his well, speech know, um, said that it snowed. Interesting. And then you had that woman. What was her name? The poet? I don't remember. The, the poet? Who? Oh, she was yeah, the good. poet, that one. And then she had a great chat. But I have to say, nobody. Well, someone may have listened to her. I was just like, burning. <laughs> oh, yeah, he definitely what stole the show. Um, but then Kamala stole the show from Biden, I'd say. You know, everyone was talking about her. They weren't talking about the inauguration of Joe Biden. Talking about the inauguration of the vice president. You know, it's 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 all Kamala, I think. Well, yeah, I didn't really watch. Actually, I watched that bit as well. I watched Kamala's bit, but yeah, I didn't find it. It was no. nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah, yeah, and it's the fact that if Bernie's mittens, did we, we talk really about the inauguration it. last week? The president in our last episode, I think we did. Yeah, we, we did Bernie's it. It was like, memes at that point. <laughs> we, yeah, we the, the memes were the best bit, but that's what the thing's going to be remembered for. And he's he's does that really work well? But that can happen. <laughs> that's media. And some of, well, some, they, some they of were those. quite hilarious. Um, but anyway, we better move on to our big Thank issue because we we're running out of time. So we were going to talk about China, friend or foe, which I know is a, a thing close to your heart, Kieran. Yeah, it's very close. See, I don't, I don't have any affiliation to China apart from I learnt Mandarin well, we both for a couple of years. But yeah, so we I both. Pardon you, but no, no, other way around. I knew what I was doing. Other way around. Me <laughs> how much? That means how are you? I'll tell you. Yeah, but I'm not a fan of China. Well, I like the Chinese teachers; they were quite nice. But I don't, I don't mind Chinese people. But I just don't think the Chinese government are doing well. They're doing a job. They're doing a job. They're just. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Kieran just get bubbles over with fury. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have managed to come to prominence in this world quite rapidly, and. It, it's it's fair enough. They've got a lot of economic power. They've got a lot of people power. But you know they're they they are dangerous to a quite a degree. Yeah, they are dangerous, and I'm not. Yes, they are dangerous. But that's because when they opened up under Deng Xiaoping, <laughs> see, I've been learning about this. They opened up. They opened up under Deng Xiaoping, and then that's okay. They're fine. They economically opened up. But the idea of that is that the Western companies would go in. And make mm. China more democratic. All it did is allow China's one-party state to become and more influential in the world. Because, yeah, because it's a one-party state, and the fact of they've got such yeah. a big market, the share. So they've got their massive market share. They can 
uh, they can use to their advantage because people want to trade with them. They're the highest country for foreign yeah. direct investment this year. And that's that's lovely. I, I don't mind. But it's just not working out for... Well, you also see a lot of China's manoeuvring with China is to do like what's often termed soft colonialism, where they go into African countries, they build roads, they do all this other stuff, but then they say, we're going to build a road, but we want a percentage share of your oil. We're also going to build an oil refinery for you, um, but then we want 80% of what you produce from it. You know, such soft colonialism um, that benefits mutually the countries that they give these things to, but it is a way for them to expand their influence and kind of entrench themselves in different countries around the globe. Exactly. They, they are... It is third... Well, it's not third, but it's just, it is colonialism again. And the United States do the same yeah. thing, so we can't really moan too much. But it's the fact that the world is becoming very divided to between the United States sphere and the Chinese sphere. And then there's countries in the middle, like Russia. Don't have a clue what Russia's doing, apart from taking that opposition. The, I mean, the, so there um, is an interesting thing about where... Um, where where the next two big conflicts are going to come, and one of which is the North Pole, which might seem a bit crazy, um, but it's because of the North Pole ice cap receding, so more oil uh, oil reserves are becoming available um, for people to tap. So that means that the Russians have got obviously they've got Arctic capabilities to quite a high degree because of Siberia and stuff like that, and the cold weather that's already in Russia uh, for quite a lot of the year. Um, so there might be a conflict between the USA and Russia and the North Pole, which would be a bit crazy, or it could be more indirect than that. Um, or you've got a situation where in Africa, with the soft colonialism of the Chinese, that they actually want to be even more powerful in that region. And that's just going to lead them to conflict with other Western powers. Yeah, it's interesting because they're trying to play each other and they know the, mm. the relative strength of each other. They know that they can't no. go for a full-out war because it will end devastatingly for yeah. everyone involved or just the whole globe, whether you're involved or not. You could be some farmer yeah. in Chad, but if nukes start dropping, it doesn't no. matter that you're a farmer in Chad. You're still going to get... All yeah, I mean, it's, it. it's, it's so difficult with China how the best way to really deal with them is. Um, you know, I think certainly shows of force are quite powerful. And have been in the past, but when China's already so entrenched in a lot of these countries, it's very difficult to get them out. Yeah, and you've got to, you, you don't know how you're going to work it because they have got the only way that I can possibly see it working is either mm-hmm. you have protests, but the likelihood of that happening yeah. is slim because yeah. it's so controlled. They, okay, there were protests in Russia and there were protests in Belarus, but did they get anywhere? No. Will they get anywhere in China, who's yeah. a stronger country? No. The only way it works is if they start losing uh, foreign direct investment or the economy, because their economic prowess mm. has always been on manufacturing. And if the wages of workers go up, and then you can pay workers in India or Bangladesh or, I don't know, Malaysia or someone less money, then you'll move there. And then if, if, if money's moving out of China rather than into China, because for the last 30 years, yeah. dominantly money's moving uh, into think, China. Uh, uh, yeah, money's moving in. And also, they right fake now. a lot of their economic figures as well. Um, like, persistent increases in GDP year on year, which is even in years where there's been financial crashes, and they've just got these amazing 
economic figures which just fly in the face of everything we know um i mean they are very manipulative of the data that they actually use and certainly they it was found to be dangerous the amount of lying that they do and suppression they do with coronavirus yeah well i don't know if what they say is true and it may be true because they had they they by when they started growing they hadn't exploited much of their resources but even this year even 2020 they've still grown the economy has still grown out there by like two percent so but i mean we'll we'll have to see what happens but uh there's there's certainly a lot to think about when you consider china yeah china's an interesting country it's it's friend or foe that is the real question friend they could have been they still could be foe they're growing and the likelihood is they may go down that path china will inevitably be the foe of the west really i think unless they change from being the one-party state and also unless they change certainly on human rights and other things you know i don't think our two paths are compatible no, their their ethics are different to ours. Their morals are different to ours. They run in a different way than we yeah. do. And they used to be our allies. But then, obviously, the communist revolution. And then, I think the next issue mm. is Taiwan. Because America, they, their China flew over Taiwan, didn't they, with their, yeah. with mm. their air, air force. So I feel like that could be a sticking point. Because eventually, they're going to... Well, Taiwan is the sworn enemy, Taiwan. basically, China. Because it's all the nationalists who fled from... China, once the, the communist revolution had happened, they went to Taiwan, um, the old government. Um, so Taiwan is basically the, a lot of people say the rightful rulers of um, China to a degree, but depends what you think. Yeah, well, they still they still claim it. And the uh, People's yeah. Republic of China still claim Taiwan as being yeah, part indeed. of uh, China. And can you, can you stop them doing that? No. And is, is, here's the thing, though. Is anyone likely to stand up to China? No. China's kind of on their own, but they are very powerful. Because nobody wants to risk it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they've got allies. Like, they've got North Korea. I think they, they are, are a good, good ally, ally because North Korea in collapse. keeping North Korea alive, they keep alive a distraction, you know, from China. Um, having a rogue state out there, making nuclear weapons and everything else very loud, that dampens a lot of the noise coming from china a lot of the more subversive news yeah i understand what you mean there but north korea mm. is so reliant on china no they wouldn't survive without china so i don't know how well, one north no. korea wouldn't survive if china went or or if china moved further away from communism to more uh, democratic means north korea wouldn't survive because uh, for example if taiwan or for whatever reason, the Taiwanese government end up in control of, in control of China. No. They no. wouldn't trade with North Korea. I do you think China is in a very difficult so position with, in terms of moving towards a different system other than the one-party state? Because China is such a big country with such a huge population and so many different cultures all clashing. You know, it's so difficult to run any kind of democracy in in that kind of country. I agree. I feel like China's getting to a hard position because at one stage Mm -hmm. they want to grow, but at the same time, more countries are turning away from China. But Australia were very entrenched with China at the start of this year. By now, their relations 
have dropped considerably, and they've realised that they don't really want to bring the China. That that's, stuff, yeah. Like, I think it's yeah, yeah it, it's 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 a real and, real sticking point for the whole world. It is because that is the future of the world. How they grow as China as a place, and if you can replace them, perfect. And in India is a potential replacement, but India will take a good 20, 30 years to become mm. a good replacement for China. And even so, no. India's not the most. I mean, it's it's country. always going to be this difficult relationship between all these powers. But I think also it makes you think again about what kind of economy you want to be running do you want to be running this global economy that's not only environmentally questionable because of the amount of travel that's involved with a lot of it and also the amount of imports exports you know it's not something that's particularly sustainable in the long term um you know we can't keep expect like exporting all our problems um to just the cheapest country you know <laughs> manufacturing can't just go to the cheapest cheapest country to do it forever because eventually there won't be a cheapest country to go into. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like, this, if anything, this pandemic has taught us how reliant we are on China and Asia or Southeast Asia as our producers. When you realise that China owns so much of the supply lines, global supply lines, how do you... You need to bring mm. domestic manufacturing back to help. So even, in, even with these vaccines, yeah. they're being produced in the UK. And surprise, surprise, they can get yeah into the UK. If you're coming from China and China have a don't want to send them, the whole supply lines. We definitely gone. need to consider how we problems. can be more self-reliant as individual nations. Yeah, I do agree. But then again, you look at it, every time in history there's been major players that yeah. have been pitted off against each other. World War Two, you had Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union and you had the United States. That didn't necessarily work. The Cold War, that sat yeah. up 50 years almost between the United States and the Soviet Union, nothing. Okay, Cuban Missile Crisis was close to becoming a war, but in general, they worked off against each other, and then eventually the Soviet Union collapsed in America. China's just the next one. That's the world. The world is evolutionary, and you just go around in circles and circles, and countries will always not like other countries for certain reasons. Definitely, unless some greater threat emerges to be, you know, an enemy against. Aliens, yeah. <laughs> Aliens. They... Independence Day type. There you go. Aliens. India, yeah, Aliens. They just, they oh, just rock up. Then we all unite against them. But I think it is to do with having common enemies and stuff. You know, what are we fighting over? Resources, the preservation of the nation state, you know, all these things. And if there was a greater enemy, where would we be as a world? It's a very questionable idea. And anyway, uh, I think we are just about time now to wrap up. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed our little little ramble um, and certainly our ramble about China. Um, but if you want to check out any of our social media, anything like that, we've got Twitter, Instagram, all of this. So feel free to check it out. Um, yeah, we hope to see you next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye.